Sophie's World by Josephine Gardner. The postcards. I'm imposing a severe censorship on myself. Several days went by without any word from the philosophy teacher. Tomorrow was Thursday, May seventeenth, Norway's National Day. School would be closed on the eighteenth as well. As they walked home after school, Joanna suddenly exclaimed, "Let's go camping!" Sophie's immediate reaction was that she couldn't be away from the house for long, but then she said, "Sure, why not?" A couple of hours later, Joanna arrived at Sophie's door with a large backpack. Sophie had packed hers as well, which she also had the tent. They both had bedrolls and sweaters, ground sheets and flashlights, large-sized thermos bottles, and plenty of their favorite food. When Sophie's mother got home around five o'clock, she gave them a sermon about what they must and must not do. She also insisted on knowing where they were going to camp. They told her they intended to make for Grosstop. They might be lucky enough to hear the mating call of the grouse next morning. Sophie had an ulterior motive for choosing that particular spot. She thought that Grosstop must be pretty close to the major's cabin. Something was urging her to return to it, but she didn't dare go alone. The two girls walked down the path that led from the little cul-de-sac. Just beyond Sophie's garden gate, they chatted about this and that, and Sophie enjoyed taking little time off everything having to do with philosophy. By eight o'clock, they had pitched their tent in a clearing by Grosstop. They had prepared themselves for the night, and their bedrolls were unfolded. When they had eaten their sandwiches, Sophie asked, "Have you ever been to the major's cabin?" "The major's cabin? There's a hut." In the woods, somewhere near here, by a little lake, a strange man lived there once. A major. That's why it's called the major's cabin. Does anyone live there now? Do you want to go and see? Where is it? Sophie pointed in among the trees. Joanna was not particularly eager, but in the end, they set out. The sun was low in the sky. They walked in between the tall pine trees at first, but soon they were pushing their way through bush and thicket. Eventually, they made their way down to a path. Could it be the path Sophie had followed that Sunday morning? It must have been. Almost at once, she could point to something shining between the lake trees at the right of the path. It's in there, she said. They were soon standing on the edge of a small lake. Sophie gazed at the cabin across the water. All of the windows were now shuttered up. The red building was the most deserted place she had ever seen for ages. Joanna turned to her. Do we have to walk on the water? Of course not. We'll row. Sophie pointed down into the reeds. There lay the rowboat, just as before. Have you been here before? Sophie shook her head. Trying to explain her previous visit would be far too complicated, and then she would have to tell her about her friend about Burlton Knox and the philosophy course as well. They laughed and joked that they rowed across the water. 
when they reached the opposite bank, Sophie made sure they drew the boat well up on land. They went to the front door. As there was obviously nobody in the cabin, Joanna tried the door handle. Locked. You didn't expect it to be open, did you? Maybe we can find the key, said Sophie. She began to search in the crevices of the stonework foundations. Oh, let's just go back to the tent instead, said Joanna after a few minutes. But then Sophie exclaimed, Here it is! I found it! She held up the key triumphantly. She put it in the lock and the door swung open. The two friends sneaked inside as if they were up to something criminal. It was dark and cold inside the cabin. We can't see a thing, said Joanna. But Sophie had thought of that. She took a box of matches out of her pocket and struck one. They only had time to see that the cabin was deserted before the match went out. Sophie struck another, and this time she noticed a stump of candle in a wrought iron candlestick on the top of the stove. She lit it with the third match, and the little room became light enough for them to look around. Isn't it odd that such a small candle can light up so much darkness, said Sophie. Her friend nodded. But somewhere the light disappears into the dark, Sophie went on. Actually, darkness has no existence of its own. It's only a lack of light. Joanna shivered. That's creepy. Come on, let's go. Not before we've looked in the mirror. Sophie pointed to the brass mirror hanging above the chest of the drawers, just as before. That's really pretty, said Joanna. But it's a magic mirror. Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? I'm not kidding, Joanna. I'm sure you can look in it and see something on the other side. Are you sure you've never been here before? And why is it so amusing to scare me all the time? Sophie could not answer that one. Sorry. Now it was Joanna who suddenly discovered something lying on the floor in the corner. It was a small box. Joanna picked it up. Postcards, she said. Sophie gasped. Don't touch them! Do you hear? Don't you dare touch them! Joanna jumped. She threw the box down as if she had burned herself. The postcards were strewn all over the floor. The next second, she began to laugh. They're only postcards. Joanna sat down on the floor and began to pick them up. After a while, Sophie sat down beside her. Lebanon, Lebanon, Lebanon. They're all postmarked in Lebanon, Joanna discovered. I know, said Sophie. Joanna bolt upright and looked Sophie in the eye. So you have been here before. Yes, I guess I have. It suddenly struck to her that it would have been a whole lot easier if she had just admitted she had been here before. It couldn't do any harm if she had let her friend in on the mysterious things she had experienced during the last few days. I didn't want to tell you before we came here. Joanna began to read the cards. They were all addressed to someone called Hilda Moller Gnag. Sophie had not touched the cards yet. What address? Joanna read. Hilda Moller Gnag, Co Alboto Knox, Lillisand, Norway. Sophie breathed a sigh of relief. 
She was afraid that they would say Co, Sophie, and Munson. She began to inspect them more closely. April twenty eighth, May fourth, May sixth, May ninth. They were stamped a few days ago. But there's something else. All the postmarks are Norwegian. Look at that. You and Madelation. These stamps are Norwegian too. I think that's the way they do it. They have to be so sort of neutral, so they have to have their own Norwegian post office down there. But how do they get the mail home? The Air Force, probably. Sophie put the candlestick on the floor, and the two friends began to read the cards. Joanna arranged them in chronological order and read the first card. Dear Hilda, I can't wait to come home to Lillisand. I expect to land at Kravrak Airport early evening on Midsummer Eve. I would much rather have arrived in time for your 15th birthday, but I'm under military command, of course. To make up for it, I promise to devote all my loving care to the huge present you are getting for your birthday. With loving, with love from someone who is always thinking about his daughter's future. P.S. I'm sending a copy of this card to our mutual friend. I know you understand, Hilda. At the moment, I'm being very secretive, but you will understand. Sophie picked up the next card. Dear Hilda, down here we take one day at a time. If there's one thing I'm going to remember from these months in Lebanon, it's all this waiting. But I am doing what I can to see that you have a great a 15th birthday as possible. I can't say any more at the moment. I'm imposing a severe sinnership on myself. Love, Dad. The two friends sat breathless with excitement. Neither of them spoke. They just read what was written on the cards. My dear child, what I would like best would to send you my secret thoughts on the, with the white dove. But they're all out of white doves in Lebanon. If there's anything this war-torn country needs, it is white doves. I pray the UN will truly manage to make peace in the world someday. P.S. Maybe your birthday present can be shared with other people. Let's talk about that when I get home. But you still have no idea what I'm talking about, right? Love from someone who has plenty of time to think of for both of us. When they had read the six cards, there was only one left. It read, Dear Hilda, I am now bursting with all these secrets for your birthday that I am stopping myself several times a day from calling home and blowing the whole thing. It is something that simply grows and grows. As you know, when a thing gets bigger and bigger, it's more difficult to keep it to yourself. Love from Dad. P.S. Someday you will meet a girl called Sophie to give you both the chance to get more, learn more each other before you meet. I begin sending her copies of all the cars I send to you. I expect she'll soon begin to catch on, Hilda. As yet, she knows more than you. She has a girlfriend called Joanna. Maybe she can be of help. After reading the last card, Joanna and Sophie sat quite still. "'staring wildly at each other. "'Joanna was holding Sophie's wrist in a tight grip. "'I'm scared,' she said. "'So am I. "'When was the last card stamped?' 
Sophie looked down again at the card. May 16th, she said. That's today. It can't be, cried Joanna almost angrily. They examined the postmark carefully, but there was no mistaking it. 05-16-90. It's impossible, insisted Joanna, and I can't imagine who could have written it. It must be someone who knows us. But how could they know we would have come here on this particular day? Joanna was by far the more scared of the two. The business with Hilda and her father was nothing new to Sophie. I think it has something to do with the brass mirror. Joanna jumped again. You don't actually think the cards came fluttering out of the mirror the minute they are stamped in Lebanon? Do you have a better explanation? No. Sophie got to her feet and held the candle up in front of the two portraits on the wall. So Joanna came over and peered at the pictures. Burgly and bejerkily. What does that mean? I have no idea. The candle was almost burnt down. Let's go, said Joanna. Come on! We just, we just must take the mirror with us. Sophie reached up and unhooked the large brass mirror from the wall above the chest of drawers. Joanna tried to stop her, but Sophie would not be deterred. When they got outside, it was as dark as a May night can get. There was enough light in the sky for the clear outlines of bushes and trees to be visible. The small lake lay like a reflection of the sky above it. The two girls rode pensively across to the other side. Neither of them spoke much on the way back to the tent, but they knew that each other was thinking intensely about what they had seen. Now and then a frightened bird would start up, and a couple of times they heard the hooting of an owl. As soon as they reached the tent, they crawled into their bedrolls. Joanna refused to have the mirror inside the tent. Before they fell asleep, they agreed that it was scary enough, knowing that it was outside the tent flap. Sophie had also taken the postcards and put them in one of her pockets of her backpack. They woke early next morning. Sophie was up first. She put her boots on and went outside the tent. There lay the large mirror in the grass, covered with dew. Sophie wiped the dew off with her sweater and gazed down at her own reflection. Luckily, she found no morning postcard, postcard from Lebanon. Above the broad clearing behind the tent, a ragged morning mist was drifting slowly into little wads of cotton. Small birds were chirping energetically, but Sophie could not neither see or hear any grouse. The girls put on extra sweaters and ate their breakfast outside the tent. Their conversation soon turned to the major's cabin and the mysterious cards. After breakfast, they folded up the tent and set out for home. Soon, Sophie carried the large mirror under her arm. From time to time, she had to rest. Joanna refused to touch it. As they approached the outskirts of the town, they heard a few sporadic shots. Sophie recalled what Helen's father had written about war-torn Lebanon, and she realized how lucky she would have been to be born in a peaceful country. The shots they heard came from the innocent fireworks celebrating the national holiday. Sophie invited Joanna in for a cup of hot chocolate. 
Her mother was very curious to know where they found the mirror. Sophie told her they had found it outside the major's cabin, and her mother repeated the story about nobody having lived there for many years. When Joanna was gone, Sophie put on a red dress. The rest of the Norwegian National Day quest passed quite normally. In the evening, TV news had a feature on how the Norwegian UN violation had celebrated the day in Lebanon. Sophie's eyes were glued to the screen. One of the men she was seeing could be Hilda's father. The last thing Sophie did on May 17th was to hang the large mirror up on the wall in her room. The following morning, there was a new brown envelope in the den. She tore it open at once and began to read. Thank you.